Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about what? Let's talk about the uh, Christmas list. A Christmas list? Yeah. Are you Santa Claus now? No, no, I'm not. But uh, let's say you, uh, we want, we should make a, a Gaming Perspectives Christmas list for your favorite or your gamer on your list. So we decided, well, I decided to write a list of games of different genres and games that I think are good that somebody might like. I like them, so that's me. The conundrum of this episode is that it's gamers listening to us most likely. So maybe this is the list you want to give somebody that if you don't have one of these games. Right. You should give them a list and then maybe you will get the gift that you want instead of socks of underwear. That's what I told my son. If he doesn't tell me what he wants, he gets socks. So there you go. <laughs> I always used to like, <laughs> I used to love getting socks. I wanted to break it down by genre, kind of, or, or, or setting type. I know Jolie was looking at my list and she's like, where's d and I'm like, well, everybody knows about D&D. Not everybody knows about D&D. Everybody knows about D&D. If you want to give give a starter game to a gateway game to people, D and D would probably be the one to do. Well, it's easily easily the most identifiable and probably the it is the most popular game right now. And it's uh, what is it? it's a heyday for role playing, even though a lot of people don't like D and D Fifth Edition because it's like the one thousand pound gorilla and is or a black hole that's sucking up all the players. The new players and people don't think there's anything else other than D and D. I don't see how how anybody could think that's a bad thing. Well, there is. There's people out there. So off the top of my list, I have Gothic Horror. Gothic Horror. He starts with okay. So there's a lot of games that normal people, non gamers, may not have heard about. But Call of Cthulhu is pretty popular. There's been movies, the old movies from the '80s. I didn't know it was called Cthulhu stuff, but obviously like Reanimator and stuff like that. That had to do with, or that followed the ideas of stuff that was called Cthulhu or what's his name? H.P. Lovecraft stuff, which I didn't know at the time. And then, and so it's, and it's a popular game. It's Somebody keeps track of how many games are sold or which is the most sold game. Of course, D&D 5th edition is number one, but there's, uh, Call of Cthulhu was like always in the second or third place. Poll numbers that they did because... What is it? Uh, people don't, uh, companies don't divulge their sales. I don't know where you're getting that information. They, they don't, they don't, they don't. They, it's, uh, it's, I've, uh, people have said it on, on online and I've read it in articles that they don't divulge how many units of D&D they've sold. They don't release that kind of information. Probably because they don't want to scare the little people. <laughs> so, so Call of Cthulhu has been around a while. It was one of the first ones, uh, that I remember seeing other than D&D. It was uh, a horror, which was, wasn't my bag. It still is not my bag. But, you know, I've played it a few times. And the system is a percentile system. It's now uh, been rolled into its own standalone type of system called the uh, BRP, Basic Role Playing Game. But I believe the first system that used that system was, 
Was it RuneQuest? I believe it was RuneQuest. Uh-oh. Did I just mess up? I don't know much. I'm pretty sure it was RuneQuest, which uses a percentile system. So it was a modified system of that, and the rest is history, as they say, because it's been popular for quite a while. And it's a real interesting game. I mean, the thing is, is that percentile system for for, for some people is easier to digest as as instead of rolling a D20 and saying you need a 12 or higher. For those people who are trying to figure out statistics or the odds, it's easier to tell somebody, oh, you have a 35% chance. That makes sense to people. So I think it's a pretty easy system to get into. Uh, characters, you can make any character you want. There's no, uh, what is it? There's no classes there's no classes i believe yeah but it's kind of a weird system when you do your character because you have to roll up your stats before you choose what you want to be or you that's know. the wise thing to do yeah in call of cthulhu <laughs> yes otherwise you might not live very long i remember i wanted i think i've so told the story but i wanted to play this tough uh you know 1920s cop or 30s cop i forget what time period we we're in i think it was the 1920s or 30s but and he didn't he didn't roll that yeah i, I rolled a terrible uh, what strength and dexterity so i'm like mm. and then my education was level one so i, I was i became like a, a history professor because that's what the skills told me to i needed to be right as i remember yes yes so it's a pr I, I think it's a pretty neat system you're right it's a little crunchy in that sense as far as running the game it, i've never seen anybody have a hard time running that system i or anything like it, you know. There's a lot of percentile systems on on the market, but I think it's just easier to grok, right? It's easier to understand when you when you have a basic percentage chance of accomplishing something. You need to roll a 75 or less on this die, and 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 it equates to 75 percent, right, of 100. And people go, oh, okay, I understand my odds of succeeding instead of like 75 well, is better than 35. <laughs> yes, exactly. Is a 12 better than than thirty five percent chance of 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 rolling you know, on a, compared to d twenty, so I think that's what it makes it makes it easier. I think there's a lot of skills and a lot of skills make sense to people. There's just skills, right? There's a uh, there's listen and there's you know, shooting and there's history, there's languages and stuff like that. So I think I think it just makes sense. And then it's an investigative game. Uh, I think people really like that type of game in that setting in that 1920s and there's if someone if someone's interested in horror gothic horror there's tons of call of cthulhu scenarios out there right and i, I don't forget i think the latest edition is seventh edition they've had tons of editions out there if you go to a game store there's probably a book of call of cthulhu there there might be one well, yeah, I mean, they're not going to be stockpiled, but uh, but if you go to I was, bookstore, I was being like that, facetious. They might, you know, they might, you might, and then you can find the old uh, scenarios and older books online on used bookstores, and they all they're all using the same system. They they tweak the the rules a little bit from one edition to the other, but for the most part, everything should work because it's still based on the same basic. Role playing, basic basic role playing system, the BRP. So, in in this genre, are there other games besides Call of Cthulhu that you came up with? Well, I was. If you want something a little bit newer and you're less fresh, I mean less fresh, more fresh. There's this game called Vasen, which is a Nordic horror role playing game. It's put out by Free League. Free League, right? And 
they use their system on in that game and so it's a little bit simpler there's not so much there's no percentile dice is it's just you know rolling your sixes to succeed really popular of course free league makes a book it's a really pretty book really nice looking it's kind of getting popular a lot of people like it because of its simplicity on the other hand they also like it because of its lore right the time it takes place it takes place in the 1800s and you're and it has to do with uh nordic lore right all the all the their uh folk tales and their uh gods their oh gods but mainly tales or folk stories oh rolling right along there's a gothic horror let's go to united states in the early in the early it would be the colonial period the revolutionary war yes right uh, and that is flames of freedom it is a gothic horror in the revolutionary period or right at the beginning of revolutionary period uh we talked about it this game before it's it uses uh the zweilander 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 system and it's basically identical as that they might have tweaked a few things but it's basically a percentile system also it takes place obviously in the united states uh on the eastern coast and it is a very uh big book but don't be intimidated by its size because a lot of it is just uh lore and setting and just basic information or information you would need to run a game in that world it's really neat it's interesting idea uh, i think people who are history buffs uh who are interested in the revolutionary period would like this game people who like horror would like this game and uh it's just a really neat system and it's a really neat setting i really like the setting of it well you played it what did you think of the game i liked it yeah it was pretty neat and it's, and it's investigative and it's horror kind of like call of cthulhu but uh but the, the setting itself makes it different and it really makes uh you know anything that happened in the revolutionary period you can always tweak it a little bit and make it into something supernatural and something nefarious the freemasons are bad guys in this in this book and I think it's interesting that, that that's true because I know some Freemasons, and I don't know how they appreciate that, but I haven't talked to them about it. But uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's really neat. And it, I, I just like the system. And uh, the creating a character, it's almost you just pick an archetype. And That's the hard part. <laughs> just, just There's like 75 of them. But, but no, it's good. Good game. Yeah, and you just tweak it a little bit to make, to make it a little bit more personable, uh, the character, and you have a character literally in just a few minutes if you want to go that route okay is that all you have in that particular area so, and what's I, your next area that you well I, I i there's no rhyme or reason to my how i came up with these uh, uh this is true these categories so the next one is single player games i've talked we've talked about beowulf it is uh also kind of nordic right beowulf takes place in scandinavia and it is a single player one gm one player game and you you play by yourself and it uses the fifth edition rules and there's uh, uh it includes it has rules obviously for uh, your helpers or sidekicks and and that's where the this particular game is really good because it allows you to play with one player and not be worried about you know uh usually when you play by yourself in a single player game there is you're worried about getting hurt or dying because you're by yourself in this case you have these sidekicks and the system is really neat how they are 
how they are included in the game. And they're not like full-fledged NPCs. They have certain duties. They have certain things that help you. And I think it's really neat. He did a good job. The art is really good. Uh, the person who put it out is John Hodgins. And he is an artist, uh, foremost. And But he's also very uh, obviously very creative because he wrote out this uh, system. And, and it looks really good. It uses 5th edition. So, so there's a GM and one player? Right. So it's not a... When you say single player, it's not a play by yourself. It's a no, not solo play. Yeah, right, right. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't think of another game that that fits this one uh, section really good, other than this game. This one really, you know, came to mind. It's available. It's available in print. Uh, I don't know if it's highly available in uh, your local hobby shop, but check it out if you do. It's really neat. Is it available in PDF? Oh yeah, all these are available in PDF, pretty sure. Okay. So you could go to drive through RPG and it's there or probably at their own website. Each company has their own website and they'll sell you the PDF. No problem. No problem. You can probably order it, but it's kind of close to Christmas. So, you know, they say that uh, don't plan on getting And considering they're going to put this episode out probably Tuesday. Right. And Christmas is just around the corner. That doesn't mean you can't buy it for someone and give it to them later. Right. Or, you know, go to. And this would be a good game for people who. Um, we'll just want to introduce like their brother or somebody right. that it'll be good to get for Christmas if you're going home and you want someone to you want to play with someone who one player? who uh, yeah. yeah who hasn't played or something yeah a lot of people who are, are there any other ones besides Beowulf that you wrote down? well that's the only one I wrote down there are other single player games but I don't I didn't write anything on them so I don't know. So, so if you want to get a single-player game, Saul is suggesting this one because that's the only one he thought of. Well, there's a, there's an old one called Ghost Dog, which is based on a movie, and the movie is about this assassin. Yeah, who, yeah, yeah. So that's a really old game. Uh, I had the rules. I think I sold it. I'm crazy, I know. Uh, but it looked really neat, but that was a long time ago, and I don't really remember the rules. And it's out of out of print, so... Good luck finding that thing. Which doesn't mean anything, but what is your next category, Mr. Morales? Well, along, along with single-player game, I kind of included this game. It's not sing, it's uh, not single-player, it's solo play, but it's really interesting. It's called Five Parsecs from Home. It is a like a war game slash role-playing game. War game as a miniature, not miniatures war game, but yeah. So you play, uh, so there's, it's quite a, there's all kinds of different uh, epi- uh, episodes, but uh scenarios scenarios in it it's really neat it's it is it is a beautiful looking book and uh you should try it out i i if you it kind of it's kind of like a war game but it's also a role-playing game kind of in in mixed in there so i think it's pretty neat so next is military i put a apocalyptic and survival game the number one off the top is probably twilight 2000 it just came out it's probably available at your local game store uh, the PDF is widely available, obviously. There were so many people who bought this game and so many retailers who bought it. Your local g- gaming he- hobby shop probably has a copy of it on their shelves. And the new one goes with the old the old thing, World War Three. World War Three, right. World War Three in, in the year 2000. And it's 2000. called Twilight 2000, so it's back in time. So right. it's obviously alternative history. Correct. But it's a post-apocalyptic game where... Right. And the way Saul always explains it to me is is the 
first scenario he thinks that anybody should do is you're stuck somewhere and it's always these Americans that have to get home, these soldiers, right? Well, that was actual a campaign that they had, a, yeah. a, 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 an original game, which came out in 1981 or something like that by GDW. This one is done by Free League. It uses their Year Zero engine. They tweaked it out quite a bit where they usually all you, have, you, all you do is you have a dice pool of your, your stat and a dice pool of your skill, and you add those dice together, and that's how many six do they you roll. Do they add a dice pool for your weapons? Because Correct. there's a lot of weapons in this right. game. Right, and they, they have gear dice, yeah. and stuff like that. So it's very so it's still very crunchy. It's more crunchy than uh, almost any other of their Year Zero systems. Game okay, system. so Twilight 2000. Twilight 2000. Uh, like I said, it's uh, probably widely available. If you, if you can't get it, they do have a PDF, but I'm... Just take a look in your local game shop. They might have it. Is it a big book? It comes in a box set. Uh. It's a box set. There's no book. There's booklets. And, and the box set has counters and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and I'm sure you can use old scenarios that you have if you're have if you an older gamer. Uh, your dad's old Twilight 2000s. And if you get into this game and you're on the internet looking up maps of different places, <laughs> just, you know. Think about things like... Oh, my God. The NSA is not going to bust into your door. Probably not once they realize that everything you look up is gaming-related. So so uh, an interesting aspect is this game called The Moral Project, which I think there's a fourth edition, but it's uh, basically unavailable. I haven't been able to get it. It was available for a little while. It's I think it's out of print. You go to the company. They haven't updated it in like four years. The company that printed the fourth edition, but this would this game would probably fit perfectly with that moral project idea. And the moral project is you. There's a guy called Moral, and he's a super rich guy, super genius, and he's and he says that the end is coming, right? Just the, the war, the third third world war is coming. Nuclear is going to fly, and it's going to destroy civilization. So he has this idea that he figured out how to freeze people. He figures out how to freeze people. To freeze people. And he puts them in bunkers deep in the earth. and after, Sets a timer for them to wake exactly, up. Exactly. Sets a timer for them to wake up. And like 25 years after he thinks the war happens, they wake up and they are, you know, there's doctors. There's uh, obviously military personnel, but there's doctors. And they have stuff, right? They have, uh, they have caches of, 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 of equipment and stuff to rebuild the world. So this so is a is not only post apocalyptic, but it could be horror too. Because what if the timer goes off at the wrong time? And that's or, exactly what happened. Yeah. Right? Instead of being twenty five years in the setting, it's like a hundred or two hundred years later. So society has changed quite a bit. So they're coming out to a real uh, the, the event, whatever caused the catastrophe. Mad Max? No, not Mad Max. More like uh, it's just been a longer time than expected. So the idea of America or political systems is like a distant memory if they remember it at all. Uh, people, some people have gone down into savagery, other places, there's sort of pockets of you know, strong civilization, game. yeah. Well, what well, is civilization in that period? So it's really neat. I think it's a really neat idea. Uh, one of the guys I know, I don't know, but I know on Facebook, he is running Twilight 2000 but using the moral project setting which i think is brilliant i think it's really neat so that's really cool i think uh like i said you can you can use the the, the, the rules for other than 2000 any kind of militaristic uh setting in the year 
before 2000 because that's the kind of weapons they have and all that crap, all the armor and stuff. Okay. Did you write anything else down for that? Uh, for apocalyptic, I put down paranoia because paranoia is a totally 180 from Twilight 2000. It is far future. It's a little bit lighter, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, 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 More is fun. A, it is a comical, farcical type of game where the people have been put into bunkers and underneath the, not bunkers, but they call them uh, like bubble or what do you call it, dome cities underneath the ground. There's a war and the, 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 the particular place where you live, computer damage. So it goes into its data banks and it's trying to figure out what's, what happened. So it comes across a 1950s data bank of like McCarthyism. So the computer believes that the commies are, have made an attack. And that is why they lost connection to the other cities, the other dome cities that are around the, the earth. So, so the computer's crazy. So the computer figures out and that the commies are attacking and it takes the propaganda to its ultimate conclusion is the computer becomes extremely paranoid and that and the computer controls everything in, in the side of the This is the computer. only game where you can just kill people left and right and most likely die. <laughs> yes, it is crazy. I remember And you still get to play cuz your clone comes along. Right. They have clo- well, in the old in the old game you had six clones that were ready made and you all lived together and as soon as one passed away or met its untimely demise, you would that clone would just step into would go and step into the shoes. Now they have something called like instant clone making, so they literally grow a clone and then they 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 bomb them or torpedo them into wherever they need to go. So it's a little different because of technology and stuff. Uh, there's been all kinds of incarnations of of paranoia. Probably my favorite. Well, I love the original right the original box set from Westin Games. Uh, the art is fantastic. The it's all line art, but it just just it just fits the genre really well. Paranoia, and but uh, I think there is a latest uh, what is it, edition. I don't, I'm not sure what edition it is on now, but I ha- I do have mongoose's mongoose's uh, edition, and that one's really neat. But any paranoia game out there is just gonna be a, a hoot to play. Uh, don't, it doesn't take itself seriously at all. The, the computer sends you on these farcical missions to do stupid things. And everybody's a mutant, which is illegal. Everybody belongs to a secret society, which is illegal. You're, everybody's paranoid about people finding out about your secret society and that you're a mutant. And everybody's looking to make points by eliminating these threats to the computer. So imagine a group of five or six people running on a mission being totally paranoid about their people they're going on a mission with really good game really fun game uh with the right gm it, it could be outstanding okay and your next category is really realistic and i use the air quotes on this fantasy <laughs> so the first one i would say is well not in any order but i would mention gurps because gurps steve jackson believed that well his idea was he was gonna they went outside and kind of looked at how People fought, and if and if you shot people, you know what damage would you do? So it's a very deadly system, GURPS, and their fantasy system is very deadly, also, right? There's, it's a very deadly system. The fantasy one is very deadly. So to me, that's kind of realistic instead of like D and D, where you have a multitude of of hit points, and as you're and as you get more powerful, your hit points go up. In GURPS, your hit points never go up; they just stay the same. Uh, so you're always vulnerable. Uh, 
also GURPS, the reason I even mentioned it, I know a lot of people don't like it because it's an old system. It's considered old and wrong, wrong type of system. But literally there is, if there's any fantasy setting that you want, most likely GURPS has made a fantasy setting, has made a book for it. If not, they have just the fantasy books that you can make and do it, do it yourself. Very interesting uh, game. Like I said, a little crunchy. Uh, there's a little bit of work that the GM has to do, but I think you can find book grips everywhere and anywhere. Next on my list was, so the next one on my list, I've seen it forever when I was when I was go growing up and going to the book to the game store, Spe specifically D&J Hobby here in Campbell when it existed, and it is called Chivalry and Sorcery. Chivalry and sorcery. And the reason was I, I remember seeing it all the time is because it was FGU game, Fantasy Games Unlimited, which also made my favorite space game called Space, space Opera. Opera. Right. So I used to see it. I used to look at it and never bought it. It's gone through one, two, three, four incarnations. Uh, it has a storied past. It now belongs to the, the owners of the rights to make this game belongs to Britannia Game Systems. I may not be exactly right, but it's and they just recently kickstarted. Well, recently within the last three, four years, they kickstarted the fifth edition. It is a huge book. There's a lot of rules. It's really crunchy, but it is also very realistic in a sense as it tries to be as realistic as it could be and still have some fantasy elements. Right, uh, the system is, is uh, as an extensive skill list. list right. And it's just really neat little, not little, so it's a really neat system. I think the creators of the fifth edition, uh, if you go to their, uh, if you go to their Facebook page, the people who play it are really versed in medieval times and medieval history. And it's just a really neat thing to have a game system made by somebody who is so knowledgeable about medieval times and, and the history of, uh, Obviously, Western English history is kind of like what it's patterned out after. Of course, they, there's there's an element of magic and a little bit of fantastical. Which you can or cannot use, right? Right. You could use a straight, almost historical uh, setting. They do have their own, uh, what is it, setting. And uh, you could buy that. If you can't find the book, everything is online uh, as far as the PDF. And I'm sure you could probably find it on some uh, online to buy. And if you go to their website and email them, I'm sure they'll get it for you. <laughs> I'm sure they'll sell it to you. So that's a, it's a really thick book. There's quite a few supplements for it. There's also uh, quite a few adventures. It, like I said, it has a very story past. It's been in existence for since the 80s. And check it out if you want to uh, give this as a gift. It's a, it's a big book. So it, at the very least, you impress the person by buying them one of the larger books uh, available. I think it's really neat. I think it's really fun. If you want to get into some game that where it's a little bit more realistic, it's brutally realistic. You know, people, you lose limbs, arms, and stuff like that. And, and whether you want to keep playing that character, it's up to you. But I think it's really neat. I really like it. So next is Grim Fantasy. So this is like Dark Fantasy, Grim Fantasy. The number one probably game is, that comes to mind is Warhammer Fantasy. It's been around a long time. Uh, it is just a very, I think it's in its fourth edition. And it's really neat. I really like it. It is uh, not d and I think uh, it is a, a much darker tone. The world is just grittier. It's more uh, just mean. And 
it's not uh, Lord of the Rings. It's not this high fantasy. It's it's very dirty kind of cities are big and smelly and dangerous and the, the countryside is dangerous because of the beasts that are out there and people and so it's really neat uh if, if you played any excuse me if you played any war game uh well and not any war if you played warhammer fantasy then all that stuff is rolled into the into the history it's the same one uh you have your rat people the skaven and all kinds of stuff. Britannia, the, the, the people, and all that stuff is involved, is included in this game. It's pretty neat. I like it. I I, I just want to say, if you're going to get a Warhammer thing, there's a lot of stuff out there, and there's a lot of stuff for people to buy. Oh, yeah. I mean, even, even if you don't play the miniature game, they have a ton of setting material because of the miniature game, right? So, and if, and if, and if, and the role playing game. So Warhammer Fantasy has been around for a while. I think uh, if uh, you're looking for somebody who likes that type of uh, grim fantasy, Warhammer Fantasy fits the bill. Okay, the next one is... Blades in the Dark. This is powered by the Apocalypse type of game. Yeah, it's, uh, it is. You play a group of scoundrels, thieves. And you basically Saul doesn't like this game. I haven't played it. Oh, uh, I, I, oh, which one is is that the one that Steve and his people play? No, that's a different one. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I almost played in it because uh, Bay was running it, and I wasn't there for that session for whatever reason. Anyway, so it is a uh, a dark fantasy. You live in this large city, and you are an up and coming group of. Uh, street thugs who is trying to make their way up the echelons of organized crime and it, you deal with heists you deal with doing crimes as you move up the ladder in this dark grim fantasy there is a fantasy ga- game so there's weird things that happen and the system is pretty light the book itself is a, a pretty thick book but it's actually really cheap uh it's like 25 bucks, you can find it at a retailer, and that's pretty cheap for a, uh, a game book. It's a, a little, it's the, uh, I forget what the what they call it. The, I, I call it digest size, but I think in England it's called the A4. A4? A6, A4, whatever size that is. And it's really neat, full of information. Most of it is just setting and, and instead of rules. Pretty neat. There's some offshoots of it, but uh, Blades in the Dark, really, really well done. Are you sure you didn't play in the game? Because no. it wasn't that with with where you and Morgan were the only players. No, that, that was, was a different game. game. Different okay. game. Uh, another one is is just a setting for D and D third edition called Midnight. Now the only reason I mentioned this is because it's a really neat setting, and there's talk that it's going to be made for fifth edition. So keep an eye out for that. It's not available right now, obviously, for fifth edition, but it, it's a a dark setting where let's say like the Lord of the Rings except Sauron won. So that's the setting. Humans uh, have become subjugated or put in a, not subjugated, well yeah, subjugated, but they're uh, overseen by evil and men who have sided with Sauron. So the orcs are in charge? Right. Well, orcs and evil men, right? That doesn't sound very fun. Well, that's the setting. It's midnight, right? So it's really neat. I really liked it. I've always was intrigued by the system. Like I said, there's a fifth edition. Of course, you can't buy it. You can't buy the fifth edition one because it hasn't come out yet. But it's rumored that they're going to make it. 
But you can always find the fourth, the third original edition, the original Midnight, uh, which is a, is in used bookstores and stuff yeah. like that. If you can find it, a uh, Black Void. We talked to Christopher about uh, the author about this uh, when we uh, a few years ago, a couple of years ago now, and it is uh, he calls it esoteric fantasy game, and it, it is, indeed it is a kind of a grim. Uh, humanity has been ripped out of uh, the planet Earth and planted or thrown onto this city called uh, one of the cities. One of the cities. There's all right. kinds. Of, there are other right. places, but that's where they're at, right? Yeah. There's this one city. Basically, humanity's like at the bottom rung of this hierarchy where there's all these weird uh, aliens and and humans occupy the very bottom of that society, and they have to make their way just surviving and you can in the game you know go on missions for for people or for aliens to do certain things the idea is is that because humans are so low on the totem pole that they often get over overlooked you know they're like they're not dangerous because they're so weak and aliens are some of these aliens are really powerful and some of them are really uh alien looking right what i like about this game is one it's a it's a sort of sort of a crunchy system, but I really like the art. The art really pulls through as far as trying to convey the the feeling of the of the of the book of the rules. So I think it's really neat, really neat, well done. He's come out with a couple other uh, supplements. Another one is being published at the moment, and should be hitting hopefully in in the first quarter of 2022. Obviously, a little late for a gift for Christmas, but you can get the original book. Uh, the core book for somebody and it is like i said it it really is a fantasy dark fantasy just just out of the boys really liked it because they liked the fact that they were the underdogs right right and then they looked at all the rules and when we when when they, when they played it it was really just we didn't have the actual book right it was just the it was pdfs we that, had the original book yeah okay but well, we were using a lot of PDFs and stuff. Yeah, and the boys really enjoyed trying to put together the best character because they're mini maxers, of right. course. So, and it was so. So the idea was, they they realized that they were not going to be very powerful, right? But the they could do the best they could with what they had. Right. And it was and it uses its own system. Uh, it's very different from D and D. There's a lot of things that you can mitigate because you are not very powerful, but you can manipulate the situation. To, to for your best advantage and i think that's what's really neat about the system really well done gorgeous art go check it out buy it it's really neat so we're switching to sci-fi and for me traveler is probably the number one sci-fi game out there there is there's a couple editions of it and they argue oh yeah, about it all yeah, the time so a ton of editions i would go either with the original three little black books if you we can't find those. if you can manage to get through the <laughs> the minutiae to figure out what you're supposed to do. Yeah, it is kind of weirdly. Now that I've, I've reread it, because we played it more or less recently, just using the little black books, and I was like, "Wow, I don't remember it being this difficult." We just, I guess, we just figured out how to do it. And we just did it. There's two systems. There's there's a reprints or re editions done by other companies. One is Mongoose. Mongoose Second Edition Traveler is probably the best one. Uh, of the well-known uh, publications, it eliminates or does away with the whole dying in, in character creation if you want to. It, it has it simplified all the weird tables so you don't have all these tables that you have to look on. 
it's really it's really well done. It's a great game, I guess. It's a little bit. I I was I I don't mind crunchy because the guys will always tell me What's what it is crunchy? I need to do. Yes, but the crunchy part was the charts, trying to figure out. The- yeah, it was really weird because I remember I don't remember making a character and being that difficult to understand what it meant. But the, when we were doing it, we're like, what the heck is this? Well, not, all, not not just the character, but like when when you want to use a gun or or something, there's charts that you have to... It's just one chart. <laughs> I don't know. It looked like a lot of charts. Anyway, Mongoose... But it is, uh, it's a very character. good sci-fi kind of yes. thing. Realistic it, sci-fi it could do way. It could do almost any sci-fi you want. There's another one called Cepheus. Uh, Cepheus uh, Engine... That one is really neat. It has its own, how would you call it? Has its own setting. It, it, and uh, actually now has two settings. It, uh, one of the settings is that kind of like Firefly, you go off and uh, you go through these jump gates. You explore this one, the, the systems out there, and then you get cut off from Earth and bada bing, kind of stuck out there. And it's really neat. I really like it. I've, I own it. It's uh, well done. They streamlined the system. They cut out all the really funky stuff, kind of like Mongoose Second Edition, but probably even more. So, so it's much easier to play and much easier to get into. Uh, I'm not sure if it's available in print, but you could probably get it uh, through Drive Through RPG um, POD Print on Demand. And then there's D&D clones out there. There is the biggest one I know. Probably the best one is probably Stars Without Number. It's a really well done uh, clone. It basically uses old D&D, original D&D, the, the stats and the, the, the character class, not the character class, but the stats and the, you know, and, and, and the statistics. And basically... It's set in space. Revamps it, all the rules and, and for a space game. There's one called White Star, which basically is D&D in space. They just put it in space. So that one's really well done. Uh, we're probably one of the first ones that they actually do retro clone, which is just a... They just use the original rules. Hey, you're going to leave out the the best two... Sci-fi games, which ones? Star Wars and Star, Star Wars. Trek. Star Trek. Okay, so Star Wars. There is West End Games. They just came out with it. Well, a little while ago, the thirtieth uh, anniversary edition of West their West End game system. You can buy that. I'm sure you can buy it on, uh, anywhere. You can probably order it online, and you can play this original D6 Star Wars game, which was extremely popular. I never played it back in the day. But uh, but it's really neat. It works really well. It's quick. There is there is some problems when you advance and you can shoot a spaceship with your blaster, handheld blaster. But hey, you know things get a little wonky when you get really high level. Anyway, uh, the the newer one, Edge of the Empire and uh, Force and Destiny, and the other one, the Rebellion. Uh, they are from uh, Fantasy Flight Games. Really well done. A little bit more crunchy. I really like the system. Uh, it's the funky dice system, I call it. And it works really well once you get it ironed out uh, how to read these dice. Probably the best thing to do just use a, a online dice roller on, on your phone or something or an app. But it's also really well done. So that's Star Wars. Star Trek, there's all kinds of Star Trek games out there. But the latest one is by called Star Trek Adventures by Modifius. It uses a 2D20 system. I believe it's probably the best one. I really like the system anyway. I really like the 2D20 system. And this has everything in it for running your Star Trek game. And it's really well done. There's all kinds of supplements for it. There's even a Klingon supplement, which if you buy it, it has all the rules in it. 
And I think they modified the 2D20 system even a little bit to make it more playable because some people had a hard time playing the 2D20 system in the Star Trek uh, book. But uh, it's still playable, still fun. I, I really didn't run into too many problems uh, except not knowing the lore enough to for my players. But other than that, it's a great set of, set of uh, books. Uh, there's Go out and buy them. You can buy them anywhere. So sci-fi also, I kind of forgot about Aliens. Jolene reminded me. Aliens, a fantastic game by Free League, uses their in-house Year Zero engine, and it's super fast, super fun, and kind of scary. So re- really hits that the alien, you know, scary horror niche really well. Uh, on the opposite There's side, a xenomorph around every corner. On the, on the other side of that is this game called Mothership, real small publication. They just came out with the... They kickstarted uh, uh, a box set. It probably won't be out till it won't be out till next year, late next year. But you can find Mothership online on PDF, and it is a it's basically like Alien, but it gives you more uh, avenue of different things to play. If you don't want to play in the Alien universe, you can play space truckers, you can play Firefly kind of thing. But always this this dark uh, element to it. I like it. It's pretty neat. And we're getting a little long, so the last one will be Cyberpunk. Now, of course, Cyberpunk Red is the latest incarnation of Cyberpunk, which was called Cyberpunk 2020. Amazingly, we're past that date, and uh, we still can't uh, rock like uh, Johnny Silverhand. But anyway, it is the advanced timeline, of course. Uh, Cyberpunk Red is, uh, I think, 2070 or maybe 2077, like the video game. It is uh, the combat is still super deadly. Uh, the setting is still super cool. The guy who makes it, uh, Mike Pondsmith, is has been making games for years, and uh, it's just a cool setting. Right, a cool setting, really neat uh, set of rules. And if you're not quite sure, there's they got a they call it a jump start, which is kind of like a, a starter set. They call it uh, Cyberpunk Red starter set. You can buy that anywhere. And if you're not quite sure if you want to go full in, but it has a scenario, it has characters, everything you need to do, play right away. Uh, along the lines of that is Low Life 2090, which is a uh, fifth edition incarnation or using the fifth edition rules for, well, cyberpunk and sorcery. Kind of like the one that I'm going to, uh, it's a really neat game, uh, super simple. Uh, they really done well with the, with the rules. Uh, uses uh, something along the lines of low fantasy gaming, which uh, an alternative to D and D. The rules are much uh, grittier. It's easier to die. And low life takes a takes that kind of a, a take. Any cyberpunk, uh, any cyberpunk kind of games are is pretty easy to die, right? Well, if you use fifth edition straight rules, let's say you port a clone and make a cyberpunk game. You know, if you have 110 hit points, it's going to be hard to kill you at 10th level. But low life doesn't give you that many hit points. And the maximum level you can be is 10. You get the original your original hit points, which is, I think, uh, double your, your constitution. And then after that, every level you get, you only get one more hit point. So you don't get that much tougher, and it's easier to die. Uh, of course, Shadowrun. I Excellent play, game. I hard. Hard. <laughs> yes, hard, hard to run easier to play uh and super i love the setting i think that's what keeps shadow run going even with the terrible and it is easy to die in shadow run 
<laughs> Easier to die. I think it, I think Shadowrun is probably to me is my favorite setting out there. Uh, the rules, uh, the original rules. I played it, uh, and uh, which was first and second edition. I didn't play third or fourth. I I have the book for third. I never played it. And fifth edition is a monster of a game. We've talked about that. I think if you play it often enough, then you're okay with that game because all you need is to just, if you keep playing, you, you don't forget all these intricacies. Yeah, if you play all the time and everybody knows the rules for not only their character, but for combat and stuff like, because there, there's specialized rules, right? Because yes. you get a lot of dice and, and, but I really like the setting, especially like if you want to do magic or be a not a hacker but a technomancer, which is magic in the in the techno like hacking ha yeah, in the in the okay. net or whatever yes. you want to call it. The the matrix. The matrix, yes. <laughs> but there's serious rules about it, right? You you it, you can be as powerful as you want, but you can also kill yourself by doing that. So right, which is which is really cool because that's kind of the the it makes it makes you think about what you're going to do right and, and, and the sorcerers right or the yeah. the, 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 the magicians that element of risking it even if it's going to hurt you you know are you going to put so much power into this spell that the blowback is going to knock yeah. you on your butt and, or, or might or, or <laughs> it's this risk assessment and risk assessment and i think it's really neat it's a really neat element of that rules and i that's what i like about it i think i think it's a really cool game because the more that you play it and the more that you, the people around you, if you play it on a weekly right. basis, and then everybody's going to learn the rules yes. and it'll go really smooth. When you first start out, it's really hard because you have to literally look up YouTube videos on what you're supposed to do right. if you don't have someone who is rules knowledgeable. Right. The rules are, one, they're super complicated. Well, they're really complicated. I want to say super complicated. complicated. And they're not helped by the fact that Sometimes the rules are spread out within different sections of the book, and that's terrible. Uh, they came out with a sixth edition. Now I don't have sixth edition. I haven't played sixth edition. I've only heard about it. Some people like it. Some people don't, as always. But it's available. It's a super cool setting of cyberpunk uh, and magic intertwined. I know some people don't like their mix their peanut butter with their chocolate. But God damn it, Reese's peanut butters are freaking good candies. And if you don't like peanut butter chocolate, too bad. This is just like that. Some people don't like it. Some people love it. And I and I we love it here. Everybody. You can always you can always tweak the rules too. That's what what playing role playing games is all about, right? right? You take the rules and you adjust them to your group so that if it's too hard, maybe port a different rule system in, or if you really like the setting. Or just adjust the rules so it's easier for your right. group to do. Right. Along those lines is this uh, um, Fate-inspired games. Uh, I think some of these were also uh, done in uh, Savage Worlds. One is, I know Savage Worlds did Interface Zero, which is a cyberpunk game. You can buy that. I don't know if uh, Savage Worlds still does uh, Interface Zero or printed a book, but uh, you can find this system. Up. The PDF is really uh available and it is basically a cyberpunk setting uh nova praxis is another cyberpunk setting using the, the fate system what i really like is they have a uh, i forget what they call it but their pdf is augmented right so it's super well done now this is one of the every pdf should be like this if you click on a word that's highlighted it'll t give you where it's used like kind of like super indexed and 
you click on a chapter in the index and it'll take you to that chapter and it'll, if you click on a phrase it'll tell you you know what that phrase means in a different part of the book really neat, neatly done nova practice text talks about is basically transhumanity it's uh the computers become so smart that be, they become like artificial intelligences and then it it's a really neat background just check it out uh i'm not sure you can find a physical book of these but the pdfs are definitely available on anywhere so those are just a few of Saul's ideas of what you can give people for Christmas or any time for RPG games. Or oh, for your birthday. <laughs> I can't because he seems to have all those games, but you know, there you go. There you go. Everybody have a good holidays and thanks for listening. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul. Angeline.